Christ is risen. Hear the words of Christ our Lord. He says, All that come to me I will not cast out. And as it is written in Isaiah chapter 42, he will not break a bruised reed or snuff the smoldering wick. So what does that teach us? How does it relate to our gospel reading for today? Well, consider this. No poor sinner or person who is weak and struggling in the faith will be cast out from Jesus' midst. If they come seeking Christ, he will receive them. And so, we have an example for ourselves. We should not despise anyone who comes in weakness and doubt, nor should we belittle them for their questions or dismiss them in anger. Rather, we should don the example of Christ and greet those who come to us, to this church and congregation, with tender compassion. And we should lead them in the way of truth, as Christ would have us do. As it is written in James chapter 5, If anyone turns a sinner from the air of his way, he has saved a soul. It is our desire to see the congregation of Christ grow in our midst. And it is joyful that the more and more we see people within the congregation, we also hear more praises. We see the magnitude of our voices lifted up together as we sing our hymns of glory to the Lord It was incredible this past week on Easter. We had around 70 people in church with us, rejoicing in praise and thanksgiving for the works of God, more than anybody, uh, more than any number I had seen in the past year. It was incredible, wonderful. Do you know what else it was? It was also a little bit overwhelming. Now, I know you might think that it was because of You know, seeing that many people, I might be overwhelmed as the pastor. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is perhaps thinking about those who have only heard of Easter occasionally. Or they've only been in the church a few times. It's overwhelming to see this intensity from the people of God. You were so happy and excited. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia, we proclaimed. We're singing hymns robustly and loudly. It happened all across the world. We see decorations, all the time and effort put into services. And it might be that those who are new to the faith, who are struggling with doubts, may think to themselves, how in the world Could I ever have a faith like that? What in the world would compel a person to do all of that work? They may even say to themselves, I don't think I will ever have a faith like that. It was once uh, told to me by by a man who was going through recovery. He was going to... Um, down that road. And he talked to me about, about addictions. And he said to me how hard it was to go to meetings 
like AA or NA or any of those, be challenging to sit down in a group of people who have had sobriety for 10 years, 20 years, perhaps maybe 50 or more. To be in their midst is a hard thing to do. Because you might have been only hanging on for an hour, maybe a day. And it got me thinking about the intensity in which we celebrate Easter. Not that we should lower it by any bit. But that we should recognize that not everybody shares with the same joy and level of intensity that we celebrate Easter with. They said that it's hard to be amongst them because they want what they have. They would love to have the joy of 50 years, but you want to know what it takes to get there. Every moment of every day, struggling against the sin. But for us in Easter, it's a matter of faith. Think about Thomas, the apostle from our text today. He entered a room full of people that had seen Christ the Lord, that had seen his hand marks, his feet, his wounds in his side. He, they had seen it all. Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene. He had appeared to the disciples in the upper room. He had appeared to Cleopas and his companion on the road to Emmaus. He had appeared to Peter one-on-one. And Thomas enters that room with these people that have a great faith that are just rejoicing in seeing the Lord and trying to share that that joy with Thomas. And Thomas is like, I don't have what you have. I don't have the faith that you have. And I will never believe it unless I see what you have seen. And then in the weakness of his flesh, he even demands more. He said, unless I put my finger into the marks of the nail." And put my hand into the side where he was pierced with his spear. I will never believe. It wasn't the kind of doubt that said, I don't want to believe. It's not that he didn't want to see Jesus, right? If he said, I never want to see Jesus resurrected. That's a whole different story. Jesus had come into that room like he had burst out of the tomb. Well, it was still sealed. The doors were sealed because they were fearful, because they did not believe that Jesus overcame death and sin. They were fearful of falling into the hands of the Jews and ending up dead like Jesus. They still had fear. And yet Jesus entered that door in that upper room and came among them and said, peace be with you. You are absolved, you have forgiveness, you have peace. And Thomas wanted that. But he wanted to have the same faith that they had. But he knew that he would never have that faith unless he had seen what they had seen. And that was the weakness of his flesh, sure enough. And so he demands it. He's saddened by good news. Now I ask you, when Jesus came back eight days later into that upper room, now Thomas being gathered there, did he despise Thomas? He showed Thomas the same tender compassion that he had shown the disciples. He said to Thomas, 
Look. See. Put your fingers there. Put your hand in my side. Stop disbelieving and believe. And though Thomas demanded more, he took nothing else, but he rather proclaimed my Lord and my God. He was boldly proclaiming Christ, having received exactly what the disciples had received. Now for us, we've been gathered here for many years, some of us our whole entire lives. We have so much joy in celebrating the resurrection, and yet there are those who are still young in the faith, who desire to have exactly what you have, but they don't know that they'll ever get it. Or maybe there are those who stand among us who know the faith, who, like Thomas, had traveled with the Lord for three years, and still they're filled with doubts. They don't know where to go. But rather than be angry or dismiss them because of their silly questions, at least what you might think are silly, rather we dawn on the example of Christ and greet them with tender compassion and care and open our Bibles, sit with them and spend time and say, look, this is what Christ has said. Look, this is where God shows and promises you the deliverance from all of your sins. This is where God proclaims to you, peace be with you. By the blood of Christ, you are reconciled. Watch faith blossom and grow as they learn what you have learned over all your life. There is the difference between doubts that push away from Christ and the doubts which are seeking an answer in Christ. We must be mindful of the difference. We must be mindful as Christians to have humility because there was somebody who once showed us the truth. There was those uh, who are among us in our lives that are still encouraging us in the faith when we have our our own questions. God is patient. He bears with our failings. He bears with our weaknesses because he does not wish for any to depart from him. But that all confess, as Thomas did, Jesus as my Lord and God. I know it's often difficult to be patient with one another, even when it comes to matters of the faith. But we should not seek to turn one away from another but rather that they be joined together and share in the joy of heaven and the resurrection. Oftentimes, we need to remind ourselves to have tender compassion and to repent of the times when we have been short, when we have not received them as God has received us. God wishes for all his people to rejoice in the coming of Jesus. We know that this doubting was not good for the disciples. But look at how Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit. When we turn people to Christ, when we desire to see their soul saved, as James tells us, 
We should do so in no other way than turning them to the testimony of God, to the water of holy baptism, to the Spirit as he speaks in the word of truth, and to the Lord's Supper. That in all of these things we show the true efficacy of the word of God, and how God is the one who changes hearts, to cast away all darkness as the light of Christ enters us, to cast away all doubts as they are replaced with truth, to cast away all fear as it is replaced with peace. That is what God gives us. And he does that by showing us. You don't get to see the actual wounds of Christ right now. One day, you'll see those glorified wounds in the resurrection, sure enough. But for now, God tells you where his witness is. His witness is in the word. It's in the water. It's in the blood. These three testify that Christ is the Son of God and that by believing in his name, you will also have life. So with tender compassion, mercy, and forgiveness, let us join together as one another in Christ, joined in the one body of Christ, and share in the celebration of the resurrection of our Lord, and invite those who may be weak in the faith, may be doubting, may be questioning things. Let us invite them as well to come and hear the promises of the Lord, that they would stop disbelieving and believe, even as we ourselves have been brought out of such unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.